Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Okay, tonight we're on the second lesson of Love Like That, and we're going to talk about uh, being mindful. We're going to talk about being mindful. And, you know, uh, there was a study done, uh, and uh, students in a psychology class were shown a video. And in the video was six people playing with a basketball. Three of them were dressed in black, and three of them were dressed in white, and they're throwing the ball around. And uh, uh, the teacher told the students to watch the video and focus on how many times the ball was passed. Uh, and so that's what they were supposed to do. So they watched the video. It was a short video. And that at the conclusion of the video, the teacher asked the question, and threw them all off guard. Did you see the gorilla? And and they they all said like, you know, huh? No, we were watching for the, them passing the basketball, or whatever. And he said, did you see the gorilla? So if you look at that again, you you don't really see a gorilla in there. But what happened was what they did was. He said, now I'm going to show you the video again, and I don't, I don't want you to watch the passing of the ball or anything. I just want you to watch it like you would watch TV or anything like that. So they showed it the, the next time, and lo and behold, there was a gorilla that, was, that crossed right in the middle of, and walked, looked at the camera, beat his chest, and then walked out uh, of the area. And most everybody, except for one or two in the whole class, did not see the gorilla. And I'm, I'm thinking... I would not miss that gorilla. But it's because they were focused. Their mind was looking at the passing of the ball, and they didn't even see the gorilla. Um, and uh, so it, it's pretty interesting. How could anyone miss that? But nearly all the students missed it. And this is known as the invisible gorilla test, and it was developed by Harvard researchers. And they wanted to prove that we are not as tuned into our surroundings as we think we are. And in fact, we often miss what is right in front of us. This test was first conducted in 1999 using the gorilla, and then it was replaced, you know, uh, you know uh, years going down the road with everything from a moonwalking bear to a clown on a unicycle, and everyone missed the bear doing the moonwalk and the clown on the unicycle because they were focused on the basketball, how many times it was being passed. So uh, Robert Davies said, the eye sees only what the mind is prepared to comprehend. You know, we sometimes, we just like tunnel in, focus on something, and we just miss something else. Um, and then there was another study done uh, at, at a college campus um, and basically, uh, it was all set up, but in, the, in, a, in kind of like uh, in a certain area, you know, and people are just milling about or whatever. And so a total stranger comes up to different students to ask, you know, for directions. And in the middle of asking for directions, two men, and these two men are part of the whole thing, two men carrying a, just a, a big door, you know, solid door, just walk right in between the 
person asking the directions and the person being asked. Uh, and then while that uh, door is going through, that stranger asking the question is changed with another person that's a totally different height, wearing different clothes, and totally looking different. And only a couple people uh, realized that they were being asked uh, to, by a, a different person after the door went through. You know, and it's like, wait a minute, this guy was five foot two. Now this guy is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and and you, you know, and you didn't, and they they didn't catch it. Amen. So uh, it, it's really interesting. The point of the studies are we humans are shockingly prone to missing what should be so obvious, and the experts call this phenomena perceptual blindness. We look, but we fail to see. We see without observing because our lack of attention we become blind to what's going on in plain sight you, you might have heard this the term hiding in plain sight yeah, you know there's there's puzzles there's there's mind game, game you know games to strengthen your brain brain games all about hey pick the things that are hiding in plain sight it's like yeah, there's no you know there's 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 10 bananas in this picture and you're looking around there's no bananas in here but no there's they're there you just got to look for them um and so we are all prone to this kind of blindness until we become attentive, until we become mindful. Now, the mindfulness of Jesus is what we're after because we're loving like him. And, of course, being mindful has to do with loving like Jesus because we have to see before we can act. So Jesus saw what others overlooked. The four Gospels mention that Jesus saw 40 different times. And when he saw, he was almost always moved with compassion by what he saw. Let me give a few verses out. Um, let's see. Chuck, can you get Matthew 9, 36? Matthew 9, 36. And Arlene, can you get Luke 19, 7? Luke 19, 7. And Vanessa, can you get 1 Kings 19, verse 11 and 12? And Mario can get Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2. And Sonny, can you get Psalms 46.10? Psalms 46.10. Angie, can you get Jeremiah 23.24? Jeremiah 23.24. And Josh, can you get 1 Corinthians 1.24? 1 Corinthians 1.24. And Yolanda, can you get James 1 verse 5? 1 verse 5. Amen. So, Brother Chuck, read Matthew 9, 36. All right. So he saw that multitude, and he felt compassion for them. So there's the story of Zacchaeus in the Bible. And Zacchaeus was this little guy uh, that everybody, when they looked at Zacchaeus, they looked at him one way. And when Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, he looked at him in another way. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a publican. Uh, uh, there was another phrase for it. And he was, one of, he was so good of a tax collector that he was like uh, one of a chief tax collector. And these tax collectors, since Rome was in power uh, and you know, Israel was subservient to Rome, these tax collectors were put in place by the Romans. And some of these tax collectors uh, were, were Jews, so they were traitors to their own people. And they were, you know, the Romans would use them to shake everybody down for taxes. So he was a, 
dirty, low-down traitor, a cheat, that he caused everyone grief. And when everyone saw him coming, nobody liked him. And, you know, and here Jesus is coming down the road, and Zacchaeus, you know, sees that he's kind of short in stature, the Bible said. And that's a nice way of saying, you know, he has to jump up and down and in the crowds, you know, at the, on the parade or whatever. It's say, can I get on your shoulder or whatever? He's, you know, and so he ran ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree that was like right near the path where everybody was going, where Jesus was. And you know, when the crowd got to that point, they stopped and Jesus looked up and started talking to Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, uh, you know, uh, he, he told him some things and he said, today I'm coming to your house. Come on down. And everybody was shocked to say, why are you talking to this guy like this? Don't you know who he is? He's the biggest jerk around here. He, he, he's a mean guy. He shakes us down for taxes and all this stuff. He works for the Romans. It's, it's no good or whatever. Uh, and so, uh, but that's not what Jesus saw. Jesus, because when, when Jesus began to talk to him, he, he began to say some things that weren't typical of somebody that was a, a jerk and a mean guy. He said, Lord, if I have done anything wrong to anybody, I'm going to restore them fourfold, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. So he was speaking from a heart that seemed to, be, to want to have change of life. Maybe he wasn't happy being what he was. And see, but no one saw that, but Jesus saw it. And that's why Jesus went to his house. And Jesus told him to come down, and, and he's going to his house. Read Luke 19.7. So they, when, when they saw it, they murmured. When he looked at them, he said, hey, this is a guy that's going to be part of the kingdom of God. I'm going to come to his house, and, and I'm going to tell him some things, and he's going to change his life. So the life of Jesus was filled with these types of incidents, where people saw one thing, but Jesus saw another, because he was mindful. He was observant. You know, he studied the situation. Uh, you know, others saw a paralyzed man. Jesus saw faith. Others saw a political traitor. Jesus saw a new disciple. Others saw sinners. Jesus saw people in need of mercy. So how did Jesus see what others did not? It comes down to being mindful. And the definition of being mindful is to be mindful is to give others special attention a mindful person sees what's not obvious to the casual observer. A mindful person is watchful. Mindfulness attends to the details. Little nonverbal behaviors often speak louder than words, and mindful people can, you know, they can see what people, you know, they can hear what they're saying, but they can see that they're, what they're saying is not what they're feeling. Uh, and that's the difference. To be mindful is not just to be observant to details that others miss, but it's also to act upon those observations. It's kind of like hearing the word and doing it, you know, when, when we act upon it. You know, be passionate about them. Be bold. That's what Jesus did. So what keeps us from being mindful? And the answer can be summed up in one word, and that is agendas. Everybody say agendas. And, and somebody say, oh, well, that sounds bad. Like, you got an agenda. Well, not every agenda is evil. Sometimes we have an agenda. Okay, the agenda today is we're going to have breakfast, and then we're going to have a snack, then we're going to have lunch, then we're going to have another snack, then we're going to have dinner, then we're going to have a snack and dessert, then we're going to go to bed, then we're going to wake up famished and have a midnight snack. That's one agenda. So that's a good agenda. You know, 
But then there's evil agendas where somebody says, I'm going to go rob a 7-Eleven or I'm going to go break into that house. That's a bad agenda. But agendas are, is what keeps people from being mindful because everyone has an agenda of something or other. Like, for example, you, you know, saving money, that's an agenda. Saving time, reading a book, book a flight, buy clothes, look cool, complete a project, play a game, run an errand. The list goes on. Those are all agendas. So your agenda is nothing more than your immediate goal. Okay, i got to go to the store, get some water before I go home, a gallon of milk. That's an agenda, a simple version of one. So our agendas include what we want to do, what, uh, you know, what we want to feel, and how we wanna, you know, what we want to talk about. Our agendas compels us to keep our focus on our goal. And every moment of every day, we have some sort of agenda. You know? Like even if I'm sleeping, my agenda is I'm going to keep sleeping. Um, so Mary Webb said, if you stop to be kind, you must swerve often from your path. So you have to deviate from your agenda to be mindful. Because you're, you're stopping to observe, and then you're going to do something about it. We all have a personal agenda until we don't have a personal agenda. Every one of us has the ability to set aside our self-interest temporarily to be mindful and to love like Jesus loved. We can press the pause button anytime we want on our agenda. And that's the moment we see other people who have their own agendas. And sometimes they need help. That's the moment we, we become mindful. And that's the moment we make room for love like Jesus loved. The person that's unwilling to set aside their own agenda is like a person wearing those, you know, those mirrored sunglasses like you see on the snow slopes with the lenses flipped around facing you. So all you see is like yourself, like, all right, this is cool. That's all I want to see is, you know, uh, I want to see the reflection of my own needs and my own desires. And then I won't be mindful about anybody. But the hard truth is loving like Jesus is not efficient. It's not like, you know, I got this, I got to do this, this, my agenda, my goals, and I can't deviate. Loving like Jesus is not efficient. It takes time away from our own agendas. It can mean losing control of our schedule. It causes us to get sidetracked with another person who's not on our agenda, but it could be the will of God for us to do so. These are the things that keep many people from being mindful. If you want to love like Jesus... You need to abandon your own agenda, even if it's only temporary, to see what others don't see. So what Jesus taught us about being mindful, he taught the the parable of the Good Samaritan. That was one thing that he taught. And you've got to remember that Jesus' target audience was the Jews. And so as soon as he started talking about this parable, and he mentions the Good Samaritan being the hero of the story... They probably couldn't believe it. And, but he did this to, sh- to kind of prove to them that, you know, that sometimes you know, even your own countrymen aren't going to be mindful and do something about your agenda that's going downhill, like being robbed and left for dead on the side of the road when you had an agenda to just be about your business, travel down the road, and then someone you know, uh, busted into your situation, caused you grief, that, you know, the Jews hated the Samaritans, and the Samaritans, as a result, didn't care for the Jews. So, you know, he starts telling this story, you know, about the priest that came by and saw this man in the gutter and groaning and moaning. 
and then went on by and didn't do anything to help. He saw, but he didn't really see, and he wasn't mindful, and, you know, he had to keep his agenda. And then the Levite, which is another form of the, the priesthood in, in the, you know, uh, during the Bible times, same thing. He saw that. He goes, man, I'm going to miss my, I got a little schedule to keep, and I got to do this and this. You know, you know, and he just didn't even help the guy at all, and he wasn't mindful. And now a Samaritan. So the first two were Jews. The last guy was a Samaritan. So that much really got the crowd thinking, like, oh, my goodness. So, you know, it was a stranger that helped this, this person that fell in, into, you know, a bad situation. But this parable is about much more than just helping fellow human beings in need. You know, the good Sam's Club, they have that now and stuff and bumper stickers. But he's telling us to open our eyes and see what even the most religious among us and most devout among us are missing right in front of them sometimes because of the agendas we have. Even if your personal agenda seems holy and righteous, you may need to set it aside if you are to love, be loving like Jesus. Oh, well, I can't do that because I might be unclean or, you know, this, that or whatever. And, you know, but we got to love like Jesus. It's not, it's not convenient. You know, it might not be in our time, time frame and all that stuff. You know, Princeton University did a study, and researchers, they got together, had it all set up, and they met with a, a group of seminarians, uh, you know, Bible students, basically, that were studying to be in the ministry. And uh, they, they individually met with them and one at a time and asked them to prepare a short speech and then uh, on some subject, and then to once they were done, they would say, "Okay, you know, you need to go to that building right across the little, um, you know, square there and give your speech." And you only got a few minutes to do it, so you better get over there. And that's how they, they set it up. And they were asked to speak on various subjects of, you know, being part of the ministry. Uh, some of them, you know, were just taught, taught uh, asked to just do a sim. Uh, just, a, you know, any kind of a general subject on that. And then several of them were asked to do a speech on specifically the parable of the Good Samaritan. Okay? And then once their speeches were prepared, the experimenter would say each of them, okay, okay, you better hustle over there. You got like five minutes or whatever. So on their way over, they have an actor stage kind of just over there, like kind of half on, laying on the ground, groaning and moaning and coughing and like looking like with his eyes closed or whatever. And... Uh, and this, and right in the path between there and the building they got to go to, and uh, they, uh, you know, the question that the researchers had and wanted to find out was which of these seminarians would stop to help the man? Would it be the people that was they were supposed to speak, you know, just on a general subject, or surely the ones that were doing the parable of the Good Samaritan? That would be fresh on their mind because they just got that speech done, and they would be the ones. And you would assume that the ones that were doing the Good Samaritan would be the most likely to stop. And your assumption would be wrong go. Even the ones that, that gave the speech on the Good Samaritan did not have any significantly increased desire to help the hurting man. In fact, on several occasions, the seminary students literally stepped over the guy because he was, you know, right in the path. Because, hey, I got a ghost, you know, and just boom. It kind of reminds me of the rich man in Lazarus. He was laying at the guy's front step, and uh, he could, man, this guy's on my front step. I got to step over him every time I go, and you know it's bad for my neighborhood. It's, you know, the housing prices are going down because of him, you know, whatever. 
But can you believe it? They'd step over him and even the Good Samaritan ones. So it just shows you that we all struggle sometimes to set aside self-interest and let go of our personal agenda. Pride and our agenda or our schedule seems to continually interfere with our loving efforts. So how to be more mindful? We need to tune into the voice of God in our hearts. That's what we got to do in our minds. You know, the Bible talks about a still, small voice. You know, even though God is the biggest thing in the universe, he fills heaven and earth, his voice typically is not the biggest voice out there. You know, so you're not listening for the loudest voice. You need to be, you know, the still, small voice comes, you have to be still to hear the still, small voice. And that's why sometimes you got to pull off life's busy road and sit still and be still long enough to hear that voice. That was, that's what prayer is all about. That's what personal devotion is all about. Getting somewhere quiet and just hearing God. And that's how you can be mindful. And that's how you can love like Jesus. Amen. Read 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 11 and 12. Alright, so this was when Elijah ran, had run after the Mount Carmel uh, situation where he had victory. But then Jezebel sent a letter saying, I'm going to kill you because of what you did to my prophets of Baal. Then he ran, scared, and he was up in kind of this little mountain cave and hiding away. And, and God came by, you know, passed by, and, you know, and there was a great wind that kind of almost tore the mountains and bra- broke the rocks in pieces. But the Lord wasn't in the wind in this situation. And, and then there was an earthquake after the wind, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And uh, then there was a fire after the earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. And then after the fire, there was a still, small voice, and God was in that voice. Just to show you, now sometimes God can be in, the, in a rushing, mighty wind. We, we hear that, you know, when he filled everyone with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and you know, he, he is the uh, consuming fire, and the Holy Ghost and fire. And he can, you know, quake. His voice was like an earthquake in different places. But most of the time, he speaks in a still, small voice, in your inner in your, you know, not, you know, not even audibly, more than in your mind and in your hearts. And we have to be tuned into that. You know, if God is on your mind, if you think about relating to God over time and learning to love like Jesus, then when you start doing that, your brain makes some surprising changes. Read Romans 12, 2. Amen. So we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Which means that transformation is, is a complete difference than what we were. It's not just, you know, a little you know, improvement. It's a complete transformation by what we think about and what we dwell on. When we focus on Jesus and what he is most concerned about, our minds are literally transformed and we begin to think differently and view people differently. You know, Lord, help me to see him like you see, see him. Help me to have compassion. You know, like I preached a few Sundays ago, you know, don't see a, an, a, a, an idiot or a jerk or a problem or somebody that's an irritant, you know, see a soul, you know. So it's the way you see the situation. Amen. So uh, we become more mindful of what God is mindful of. And we must be sensitive to the leading of God's spirit as he moves us to help and be a blessing to others. You know, there was a recent survey of over 20,000 Christians between the ages of 15 and 88. 
And it found that busyness is the greatest challenge we face in being mindful of God, which kind of ties in with our agendas. It's, you know, it's busyness. We're, we're so busy that, you know, we can't deviate from our schedule enough to be mindful and do what God wants us to do. How can we calm the chaos and complexity in our hurried heads and self-consuming agendas? The answer is simple. It's in this that's one simple verse. Read Psalms 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. And when you be still and know that he is God, then you can hear that still, small voice even better. Being still means quieting our minds, even in the midst of chaos. Allowing God to be God in our lives and putting our minds at ease. C.S. Lewis said, we, must, we may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks everywhere incognito. God is everywhere. Jeremiah tells us in 23, 24, read that one. Do not I fill heaven and earth? He's everywhere. Elizabeth Barrett said, earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck the, the blackberries. It's like, oh, hey, it's a nice blackberry bush. You know, hey, did you know that bush was on fire and, you know, it's talking to you? No, I'm just picking blackberries and blackberry pie tonight. Yeah, that's my agenda, you know. But if you see the bush on fire and you hear the voice, You'll take off your shoes because it's holy ground and you're getting ready to be called on a mission to go be mindful and help somebody. So it's, it's really interesting when our focus is different. When you still your mind enough to sense God, you begin to see what others don't. You get wise to God's promptings. And did you know in the English word, uh, that, that the English word for uh, wisdom is derived from an old word that means to see or to be clear. So wisdom is to see and to be clear. It enables us to see the big picture. Wisdom is knowing how, when, and where to use the knowledge that we have. Because we all amass knowledge in our lives as growing up. You know, from one plus one equals two and... Now I know my ABCs and all that kind of stuff. We're getting knowledge from our little, from youth through teenage and, and into college or whatever. We're amassing knowledge, but wisdom is how to use that knowledge, when to use it, and where to use it. Uh, and God will help us. God is, you know, uh, the, the wise man in Proverbs talks about wisdom to seek after it, to go to to search after it, and uh, and knowledge as well. But God is the source of all true wisdom. Read 1 Corinthians one twenty four. So Jesus is not just the power of God. He's the wisdom of God. So you need power? Go to the Lord. You need wisdom? Go to the Lord. He's, he doesn't just have wisdom. He's the wisdom of God. And then our final verse, James 1, verse 5. All right, so if we lack wisdom, we're not sure what to do. We're not sure how to handle situations. Ask God. He gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it'll be given to him. Amen. And finally, John uh, Ortberg said, attention, and that's what we're talking about, being mindful, uh, being attentive. Attention is so powerful, we don't just give it, we have to pay attention. It's like money. It's worth, it's, it's, it's valuable. 
So we pay attention, you know, uh, of the situation. So let, let it be our prayer. God, help us to be mindful and let our mindfulness, if we have to deviate from our agendas because of it, you know, maybe you, just, you, you had your plans, man, I'm going to, you know, do this and this and this on this day. And then God, you know, you bump into somebody and then, you know, you're reaching out and winning a soul. You're helping somebody or whatever. Hey, well, you didn't get these things done. You wanted to get done. But yeah, I did something God wanted me to do. So that's where we have to be flexible enough to be led by the Spirit and be mindful of God and others. Amen? All right, let's stand. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast, and may God bless you.